Good morning and welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to have you with us today, especially on this Friends Weekend. We want to invite, we want to welcome all of you guys as friends, and thanks for being here. Uh, if you have a Bible, if you would turn with me to James chapter one. If you don't, it's going to be up on the screen in just a minute when we get there. But James chapter one, and uh, we're going to be starting in verse 19 in just a minute. This weekend, we're talking about listening and doing. And if you have probably an NIV study Bible. When you look right above verse 19, it may say, listening and doing. That's where I got my title from, was right from the Bible, listening and doing. I know it's major creative, isn't it? And, uh, but I want to start with a, with a question, because I think this is where James is going. Have you ever heard someone say, church is boring? Everybody's like, do I answer that? I'm in church, what do I do? I have. Have you ever, he <laughs> said, I've been there. Have you ever thought... Church is boring or agree. I've always wondered how can the most incredible story ever told be dumbed down to some boring, half-awake experience? And, and I got to thinking about this because I, some of you have, are like me. Some of you are not. It's totally fine. But I was raised in church all my life. My dad was not a minister. My dad worked for a train, um, T-R-A-N-E, built uh, air conditioning units. And, uh, but we, if the church doors were open, we went to church. I mean, that's just the way it was. I mean, we, we were at church. It didn't matter if it was Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, uh, whatever. I mean, we were there. And so everything was built around that. And, uh, and one of the things growing up at church, having been at church, especially as a child, you learn to get real creative real quick and try to figure out how can I have the most possible fun without the most possible consequence of penalty, right? You have kids like that too? And so that's, and, and our job is, as my dad was on the board and, and as deacon's kids were to mess up the pastor's kids. And so we were in, I mean, I'm telling you all kinds of trouble all the time. But anyhow, long story short, we had this thing called Kids Church, which we do here called Life Kids, because I had this philosophy, and I think it's pretty true, that main big church, what we're in right now, can sometimes be boring, and so things need to be age-appropriate so that they understand. Uh, you don't learn the Word of God by osmosis or just sitting around it. You learn it because you're actively listening and participating, and so we did this thing called Kids Church, and, uh, and Kids Church was exciting. Kids Church was fun. I mean, Kids Church, if you go down there with Pastor Kevin, uh, he, I mean, it, it's exciting. It's fun. I mean, it's, all the songs have actions to them, so you, you have to participate. And, 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 and the offering has, like, reward called candy. And, and I, I would be totally cool with that. I'm still trying to get, get, that, get that past leadership team here. We should give people candy for their tithe and offering. Would that not be cool? 
I'm just joking. But, but that's what happens, right? And you had the boy's side and the girl's side, and you had the little bucket contest to see who has the most money. So you bring all the pennies that you can because weight is what it's all about. It has nothing to do with numerical value. And, and, then, and, then, and everything is like object lessons, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's on the screen. And, and as a kid, man, there were transparencies. They would just tell the story. Oh, wow. Puppets and, and all, and it was all action and, and, and everything. And, 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 and I, but as I got older, because you had to be in junior high to, to get out of kids' church, as a third grader, fourth grader, I thought it was really cool. Fifth grader, I didn't want to tell anybody how cool I thought it was. As a sixth grader, I was just ready to get to the next level. You know what I'm talking about? Like, get to big church. Because it had to be something really cool at big church. Because all the parents went to big church. All the people that made us go to kids' church went to big church. There must be something great about big church. I can't wait till I get to big church. Because I'm big enough to be in, in, in I don't want to do Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. And so are you, you, you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. Nod your head. Turn around. Father Abraham. Right? You know what I'm saying? Right? And you, you were there too. And, and I just thought, I'm... I'm I'm in the sixth grade. I'm too cool for this. You know what I'm talking about? I'm sure your kids never feel that way. And, and so, and I got, I will never forget the fall. I just went to junior high, seventh grade. was playing football. Thought I was all that in a bag of chips. Had my, my Schwinn uh, 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 Predator P2000 4130 chromoly with, with, with Skyway rims, my bicycle. I had all that going on. I thought I was all that. I was bad to the bone. And I went... Man, my first Sunday, and I didn't have to sit with my mom and dad, sit up front, and the pastor started preaching. God bless his soul. And I thought to myself, self, it's going to be a long, long service. Maybe this is a bad week. Next week, man, I was all excited. Had my Bible with a Velcro cover on it and everything because I was all that, you know what I'm saying? Had my watch and everything. I was ready to go to church. It was the same song, second verse, doesn't get better, just gets worse. And about four weeks into this big church experience, I thought, man, I don't want to go to hell. So I'm going to go to church. That's not theologically correct, but that's what I thought. And, and, but this is like boring. And then I got to thinking a few weeks into this, I really wish I could be back in kids' church. Because right about now, they're doing, I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I mean, I, they're doing that right about now. Dude, they're getting, because we give your kids candy for everything they do. And you may not like that, but it's called control feature. It's a control mechanism. It's, 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 it, it, if you're good, you get candy. If you give, you get candy. If you bring your Bible, you get candy. If you don't have to make us yell at us, and we, you, you get candy. If, if you show up, you get, uh, you know, and so, man, there was a reward and, for everything. And, man, in church, it was just like just try to stay awake and I realized that's exactly what James is talking about in chapter 1 verse 19 oh he doesn't say it in big church and, and kids church but he talks about how that Christianity and Christ followership and church if we're not careful can become boring if it's all about just sitting and listening but we have to have another component that makes it alive, that makes it real, that makes it change our life. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. James chapter 1, verse 19, the first thing he tells us is listen up, listen up, tune in, just focus. And I would tell you for the next 
you know, 20 minutes. Just, 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 just focus in for the next few minutes because we're going to walk through this passage. Because this is the reason if you don't do what James is saying, then your church experience is going to be boring. And the probability of you checking out on church is going to be extremely high. But if you listen to what James is going to say through verse 19 through verse 27 over the next 20 minutes or so, if you'll listen into that and you'll listen up, if you'll t- turn in, if you'll tune in, if you'll just kind of put the antenna up, slow the RPMs down and just focus for a few minutes... What's going to happen is he's going to tell you how to activate your Christianity, your Christ followership, what it means to follow Jesus at a whole nother level. Now remember, James is speaking to uh, the church in the first century, predominantly to Jewish believers that are in Jerusalem. Scholars tell us this is probably, it's not the first book chronologically, but it's the first book that probably was written. And so this is very much addressing what it means to be a Christ follower. And this is only just a few years after Jesus has, has, has introduced Christianity to the world and the revolution has begun. And he says this, verse 19, My dear brothers and sisters, remember speaking to Christ followers, take note of this, everyone, in the original language, that word everyone means everybody, got it? Should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So how do we do this? Verse 21, therefore, based on what you've just heard, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Here's the problem, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Listen up. There's a couple of words, there's a couple of phrases in here that kind of encapsulate what he's talking about. The first phrase that we see in verse number 19 is be quick to listen. That word be quick to listen, when you actually get it in the original Greek language, it's, it's, an active, uh, it's, it's like an active verb. And, and what, it, what it basically means is to become a competitive listener. To be so focused on what you're hearing that you hone in on it before anybody else. Shut your mouth, pull back on the anger, because typically anger comes out of a response of offense. I get angry because either I've been offended or I perceive offense in my life or I see an offense with someone else. And anger in and of itself is not wrong, but the kind of anger that's based upon me and upon my reaction and my response does not produce a righteous life. And so I need to dial that back. Uh, I need to, to, to pull that back. I need to shut my mouth. And we're going to talk about that next weekend. Next weekend, we're talking about, he talks about my stupid mouth got me in trouble. I know you think John Mayer came up with that, but James talked about it in the first century a long time ago. And we're going to talk about that next weekend. It's going to be pretty cool. And, uh, but he says, I just want you to be quick to listen. I want you to be an active listener. I want you to be a competitive listener. I want you to be the first person to hear what's being said. I want you to be the first person that dials in on what's being said. Just listen. Just listen. Just focus in. And, and then he says, and here's the two things you need to do. After you've listened, here's the two things you do. Rid, rid yourself of all moral filth. Rid yourself of all moral filth. This, in the original language, the, the Greek has what they, what's called word pictures, which basically are kind of like descriptions that kind of convey, that transcend the language. And, 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 the, and, the, and in the original language, what's, what's put here is, it's like someone who has garments, clothing that is so soiled and so uh, 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 dirty and so uh, nasty and filthy and, and so just grimy. And, and not only physically does it look that way, but the sense, every part of it is, is it's a complete ass, uh, assault on all of your senses. 
And he said, that's how you look. You need to disrobe yourself from that. You need to take that off. You need to do that. Now, why would he tell you to do that and not tell God to do that? Because God will never do for you or for me what we have the ability to do for ourselves. Jesus Christ, God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only son, that whoever, any of us, that would believe in him would not perish, we wouldn't die, but we'd have everlasting life. For God sent not a son, verse 17, into the world to condemn the world. It's not Jesus' job but that through them the world might be saved. It's a message of hope. It's a message of redemption. It's a message of reconciliation. And God provided that. But here's, here, here's, here's the all-points bulletin on that. You and I have to choose to make changes in our lives as Christ followers. We have to choose to disrobe ourselves of things that would be filthy and, and, and grimy and gritty and be an assault upon us and be assault upon other people. We have to choose, like we would take off dirty garments after, after a day on an ATV, on a dusty trail, run through mud puddles, and we're covered from head to toe. Take that off and clean ourselves up. Now, interesting that he says that to Christians. Not to people that are far away from God, but to Christ followers. Why? Because we all have feet of clay. We, we all work, walk this life. I mean, th- this book is written somewhere between 20, 30 years after the death of Jesus Christ. And the revolution of Christianity has taken over the world. And what's happened is, is that after you start doing this for a while, you start settling in. And you kind of find this comfort level. And if you're not careful, you'll allow sin and moral decay and filth to come into your life. And it begins to collect in our lives. We all can deal with this. And it sticks to us. It sticks to our spirit. And it begins to have a stench. and has an odor. And we wonder, why don't we have a vibrancy in our faith? And why do we not have a vibrancy in our relationship with Jesus Christ? Because James says, rid yourself. Get rid of all of this. Take this off. It's an action that you have to do. And when you take that off, then accept the word that's been planted into you. Accept the word that's been planted in your life. It's the next phrase. Accept the word that's been planted. Why? Because once you have gotten yourself right before the Lord, then take the word of God. The Bible says that we hide the word of God in our heart that we might not sin against him. That we download. Remember, be quick to listen. Focus in. Listen. Listen to what? Listen to the teaching of the word of God. Listen to the word of God. And and make sure that you deal with the junk in your life, but but humbly accept this word that's been planted in you because it will save you. Because here's the problem, he says. Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word. Do not merely listen to the word. That phrase, merely listen, in the original language, is a word that we get, we get our English word audit from. I don't mean like audit like an IRS. Don't have heart palpitations at this point. right? I mean like audit like I'm going to go to the University of Wisconsin and I'm going to take a class, but I'm going to audit the class. The difference between auditing a class and taking a class is a world of difference. I'm here in the same lecture. I'm in the same room, but I'm never tested on it. I'm never, there's no accountability. I don't have to do the, the course load, the workload. I don't have to do anything. I just show up, sit there, listen to what I want to hear, pick out what I want to hear, be a part of what I want to hear, and if it's inconvenient, I can leave. If I don't have time, I can leave. There's no test. There's no requirements. There's no expectations. I'm not taking the course. I am auditing it. And James says, be careful that you don't just audit the Bible, that you don't just audit the teachings of God, that you don't just audit the Word of God, but that you listen, that you become an active listener. And when you hear it, deal with the moral filth in your life, and then take that Word that you're hearing and plant it deep in your life. And we're going to see why the benefit of that in just a minute. But don't just be merely listeners. Because here's what was happening in the first century. What was happening in the first century is, 
is that there were people, and they were going from house church to house church, from synagogue to synagogue, from teacher to prophet to, to, to rabbi, and they're hearing what everybody's saying, and all they're doing is, oh, that's a good word, oh, that's a good word. Hey, there's going to be a meeting over here, let's go here. Hey, there's a prayer meeting over here. Hey, there's, there's something happening in the synagogue at 10 o'clock over here. Hey, there's going to be a special speaker over here. Hey, there's going to be this over here. Hey, there's going to be that over there. And they were just listening, but they were doing nothing about it. And can I tell you, probably the biggest lie of the enemy to the church is that we become listeners, professional listeners, auditors of the word of God, if you would. And I hear people say this, and I understand what they mean, but I don't think they really get the full implications. And it really shows a certain amount of spiritual immaturity and lack of maturation, spiritually speaking. When people say this, I'm, coming to, I'm leaving this church to go to this church because I'm not being fed. I'm just going to tell you what James says. Don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. Bless God. Praise his glory to his name. But he says, you're just becoming an auditor of the word. At some point in time in your life, this thing called following Jesus. Yes, listening is a component. Yes, we should be quick to listen. Yes, we should get rid of, and when we hear it, we should get rid of moral filth that's in our life. And yes, we should accept the word of God planted in our life. But that's only the first part of the equation, that we need to become doers of the word. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But, 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 but the problem is, is that we, as humans, just like to listen and listen and listen and listen and hear and just ascertain more information, more information, more information, and more knowledge. And we think that the knowledge will change us. Biblical knowledge will never change you. Did we talk about this a couple weeks ago? James says, even the demons in hell believe what you and I believe. They believe the word of God. They believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that God is Alpha, Omega, beginning, the end. They've read the end of the book. They know how it's going to end. They, they get all that. They see all that. Knowing something doesn't change me. Knowledge doesn't change me. Knowledge doesn't, doesn't do anything for me unless I put action upon that knowledge. And if all I do is look for a church that will feed me, feed me, feed me, like a spiritual buffet, and trust me, I love buffets, but if that's all you're looking for, the problem is, is that you're missing it. That's only part of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Oh, we should listen. But if that's all I'm doing is going from Bible study to Bible study, from teaching to teaching, from this and from that. And my other thing, if I can just be really honest with you as a pastor, I just, when I hear people say, I'm not being fed, I go, really? Like, in the day and age that we live in with blogs and podcasts and video casts and, and, and Bible bookstores on every corner, and, and like, I mean, I, I think I have like 20 um, uh, you know, uh, reference Bibles in my office and, 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 the, and the variations. Of, I mean, there's over 100 different uh, translations of God's Word. Really? I mean, if you were in a communist country, I would get that. But, but, but really here in America, here today? No, 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 no. And that's the reason why when we, when we created Life Church, one of the things that we said is that we weren't going to be a church that was just going to be sitting and soaking and souring here in the Word of God week in and week out, that we were going to take it and do something about it, that we were going to not just be auditors of the Word of God. Oh, do you need to hear the Word of God? Yes, that's part of the equation. But what are you doing with it? And the reason why church was so boring as a kid, a big church was, not, not kids' church, is because kids' church had it right. 
It was all about action. I was hearing and I was learning. I was hearing, I was learning. It was all about action. It was all about action. It was all about action. Big church, it was all about just sit there, shut up, and listen to me pontificate theologically. I'm going to give you a few words that you're not going to be able to pronounce or even understand. You're not going to be able to remember. And you're going to think I'm smart because I'm giving you that because I have a theological degree. And you don't because you're a peon and you've got a small mind. And you're going to walk out of the room and go, wow, that pastor knows so much. I don't understand what he said. I have no clue. But he said it in three different languages. It's incredible. I'm going back to that church because I feel like I'm smart when I hear that. <laughs> really? And in our world today, we have people that go, well, they're just dumbing down the gospel. No, they're making it so people can understand it. Well, brother, it's about the King James Version. Really? If you, don't under, if you can't read Shakespeare, if you can't read Hamlet and understand it, you're never going to get the King James you better check yourself where you rickety-rickety-wreck yourself and just download a translation that you can understand. Why? Because the knowledge doesn't change me. It's when I hear it and then I act upon it that changes me. And that's where he goes. He says, be a doer of the word. So listen up, and the second thing he says is just do it. Just do it. You thought Nike came up with that. No, James did in the first century a long time before that. Just do the word. Now, I just read that in verse 22, and I'm going to talk about it in just a second, but let me, let me stop here for a second. The word doer in the original language is the same word that, in the Greek is the same word where we get our word poet from in the, American, in the English language. And it denotes a fact of creativity in what we do. Take, be quick to listen to hear this word. Let it convict your heart of sin and rid yourself of all moral filth. Download the word of God. Let your processing speed be the fastest one in the room. Download it in your heart. And don't just hear it. Don't just audit it. Don't just jump from Bible study to Bible study, from blog to blog, from video teaching to video teaching. But hear it. Become a self-feeder. And then go and creatively act upon what you hear. That was interesting when I read that. Because I've read that verse a gazillion times and I never saw that until I read some scholarship on it. And it talked about how that the word doer in the original language was the same word that we get the English word poet from. Which there's a poetic, there's a creative, there's a whole. And, and all of my creative people in the room, you're like getting excited now. Because you're like, oh, this is why, this is why. This is the reason why I have such a hard, hard, hard time with boring preachers. I have such a hard, hard, hard time with boring church. I have such a hard time people go, I'm bored to tears in church. And I just go, why? How? We are made in the image and the likeness of God. God is a creative genius and he's given us those traits and those characteristics and those abilities and he's done it just so not that we would hear it or so that we would just worship him but so that we would take that and we would creatively disseminate that in our lives whether it's in the marketplace or it's in vocational ministry whether it's around the corner or around the world that we would creatively take this word of God that has transformed us and leverage it in such a way that people far away from God can hear whether they're they're, they're, they're they're soccer moms or, 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 or they're business people working, working together in an office complex or whether they're travelers or wherever they are that they can hear, they can understand, they can download. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's one of the reasons why some people go, yeah, but there's all these different denominations and there's factions. No, there's a gazillion different ways to do this. There's not one way. He said go into all the world. He told us to go. He didn't tell us how. 
So the guy at Stony Hills Presbyterian that's got a, a, a graduate degree from Princeton University, Bruce, he's preaching the Word of God today in a creative and an exciting way and has a passion for the Word of God. And, and Jason Esposito over at Crossway uh, Church in, in Pilgrim, he's creatively communicating the Word of God. And, and Mike over at Northbrook is doing a phenomenal job to take this Scripture and to transform it. See, there's not one way to do this. We're, we don't, there's no, uh, Jesus said, if you're, not against me, you're, if, if you're not against me, you're for me. And, and we're, we're all part of the body of Christ. Creatively do the word. And my question to you is, how are you creatively doing the word of God? Think about that when we kind of walk through this. Verse 23, 24 and 25, here's what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But, verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Listening and doing. They will be blessed in what they do. It's not enough that I hear. It's what am I doing with what I'm hearing? How am I taking what I'm hearing and changing someone else's life? How am I taking what I'm doing and making course corrections in my own life? How am I taking what I'm listening to and what I'm hearing? And how am I doing it? How am I creatively putting it out in in my life? And here's the reason why he says do this. First of all, when you do this, you're going to walk in freedom. So where do you use this? Freedom. The easiest way I know how to explain this is it's like a life that's lived on purpose. God has a plan. We talked about this in January in the, in the LTD series, Living the Dream. God has a dream and a plan for every one of you in this room. God has a plan for all of us. If we will but listen and do. And if I will listen to the word of God, I will download it in my heart, I'll rid myself of moral filth, I'll take the word that's been planted in my life, and I will act upon it. If I just hear it, I'm just a listener. I'm a professional listener. I'm going to sit, I'm going to soak, I'm going to sour, I'm going to be a navel-gazing Christian that's just going to be critical of what everybody else is doing in the body of Christ. But if I will act upon what I've heard, if I will live a life based upon, upon the teachings of God's word, I will walk in freedom. Why? Because I will live the way God intended for me to live. Do you know why some people think church is boring? Because they never hear and do. They just hear. And if I'm, I can just be really honest with you, and I do, for lack of a better phrase, I do this for a living. If I just had to sit there and hear somebody talk every week and there was no action to it, I'd be going to kids' church. I'd be doing Father Abraham, I'm telling you. I'd be giving my offering to Pastor Kevin and get myself some Jolly Ranchers and some Tootsie Rolls and a bag of Funyuns and a Diet Coke. I'm telling you, it'd be all like Donkey Kong. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's about action. And when I do that, there's freedom. Freedom. You, you find the people that are the happiest people, that are the most content people, that are just, they're living life in the sweet spot of life because they realize this is what I've been created for. And every person on the planet, at some point in their life, they they come to that question and they either discover why they're created or they just resign themselves that they're just not created for anything. And I'm telling you, the Bible says over and over and over again that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has a plan and a purpose for our life, that he will give us the desires of our heart, that there he got, Jeremiah 29 says he has a future and a hope for every single one of us. I don't care whether you're five, whether you're 50, whether you're 105, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if you will hear the word of God and you will act upon it, not go to church, but act upon what you hear, walk across the street to your neighbor, go around the corner and help someone, serve and give of yourself and find something, go, I don't know what to do, just 
just do something. Just, just get up off your duff and do something. If it's the wrong things, you, you'll figure it out. Just do something. Just start loving people and helping people and, and just serving people and, and, and doing that. And when you begin to do that, all of a sudden this thing becomes alive in you. And there's freedom in that. There's peace in that. There's joy that, that, that lasts you through the night. And, and when obstacles come in, you, your faith has been exercised in such a way that you've seen God take care of this situation and that situation and this situation and that situation. He's given you wisdom and insight and discernment on situations and, uh, that, that, that you don't even, they're so far beyond you and there's a freedom that you have. That's why James says that's, that's the kind of life. And, and have you ever seen someone who's, freedom, who's living freely in the sweet spot of their life? They live life on purpose? It's contagious, isn't it? You want to be like that. You, you, you go, I, I don't know what they have. I don't know what they're drinking, smoking. Well, I, I need to know what they're taking because there's something. But this, this is, and people should look at us as Christ followers. Not because we're pure and holy. and not, <laughs> But they should go, there's some kind of life that they have. There's a joy that person has. There's a, a sweetness to that person. There's a kindness to that person. There's a peace. People in this company, they're just going nuts. And they're freaking out because of the economic recession and problems that are happening. But Bob over here, man, he's just got a peace. And word on the street is this job is next. I can tell you because Bob realizes that his company is not his source, that God's his source. And that he has planted the word of God deeply in his heart. And he's downloaded and he's acted upon it in such a way that there's a freedom in that. You want to live free? Live according to God's word. It doesn't bind you. It releases you to do what you're called to do. It, it empowers you to what you're called to do. And he says, and when you do this, you will be blessed. That's the next word he says. When you do these things, you will be blessed. When you listen intently to the word of God, and then you act upon it, you'll be blessed. Now, I'm telling you, I know I'm not that old, but I have yet to meet somebody who doesn't want to be blessed and blessed by God. So when they be blessed by man, you know, you buy me a meal or give me a grande skinny cinnamon dolce latte at 190 degrees at Starbucks. Thank you very much. But it's another thing for God to bless you. You know what I'm talking about? It's a whole nother level, baby. And I see people do this in church. I've seen this all my life. I've seen people look at someone else in church and they get mad at the blessing that that person has. And here's what they say to themselves. Well, I'm not blessed. It's, it goes all the way back to verse 19. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Anger is an offense that either I have or I perceive that someone else has. Well, I'm not blessed like that. I go to church every week. I hear the same message. Ding, 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 ding. The difference is they're doing something about it, and you're just sitting on your duff. Oh, I can't believe he just said that. Let's just rewind the tape, Margaret. The difference is they're doing something about it, and you're just sitting there. And you think like going to church is going to save you and going to change you. Listen, it's not going to, it's, it's not, going to church doesn't make you any more of a Christian than going to Taco Bell makes you a chalupa. It does not happen that way. I hear the word, I change my life, and I act upon it. It's not about being perfect because you're blessed. It's about saying, I'm intently looking into the law of God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, I surrender my life to you. You go, well, that's easy for you because, you know, you're, you're a pastor and that's just how things work in the pastoral world. No, 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 no. He's speaking to Christians. He's not speaking to ministers. 
I mean, Paul talks directly to Timothy as a minister and, and leadership in the church in first and second Timothy. And so you have a little bit of theological water that that will hold. But this holds no theological water here. He's just talking to Christians in the first century, which is applicable to us. That, that I will be blessed. My business will be blessed. Well, that's just prosperity gospel. No, that's just the word of God. You read it right there just like I did. I mean, that's what it says. And we look at people and we go, why are they blessed? Because they're not just sitting in the same pew that you are in. They're, they're not just hearing the same message that you're hearing, but they're living a life on it. Well, I just don't think some people should be blessed like that. Well, go on with your bad self. You can think what you want to think, but God's going to bless them. I, I, I don't know. I've seen people do this to, uh, you know, uh, to people in ministry sometimes. Why is that pastor blessed? Or why is that missionary blessed? Or why is that person blessed? Because they've lived their life in such a way that they, that they leaned so heavily on God's word that they listened to it and they acted upon it, and God blessed them in their life. Now, they have a responsibility to that blessing, but they blessed them. My point is, if you want to live in the sweet spot of God's blessing, just hear his word and do it. It's not about perfection. It's not about sitting at the right seat. It's not about knowing the right people. It's just hearing the word and doing it. And as long as you are striving, because God doesn't judge us just on our actions. He judges us on our motives. The Bible says that man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so it's this combination of listening to the word of God and doing the word of God that changes us. And then he, get, he ends this passage in verse 26 and verse 27 with a picture of what these things, when it all comes together, here's what it should look like. Verse 26, those who consider themselves religious, yet do not keep a, right rein, a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. You know what he's saying there? Talk is cheap. You can say you love people, but show me. You can say you care about the hurting, but show me. You can say that your church exists for people that are far away from God, but show me. Show me how you do church. Show me how you spend your money. Show me what you do, how you do. That tells me everything. Talk is cheap. Verse 27. But religion that our God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Two things, real simple. Number one, to look after the orphans and the widows and their distress. And secondly, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. To look after the widows and the orphans in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Real simply, people that were widowed and people that were orphans were outcasts in that society. They were worthless. They were overlooked. They, they, they had no value and they were discarded. And God says, if you want to know how to, to, to put this combination of hearing the word of God and doing it in your life, how do you treat people in your world that are discarded and that are overlooked? How do you keep the poor? How do you treat the poor? How do you treat the downtrodden? How do you treat the less fortunate? How ca your compassion. What's your compassion like? Right? What, 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 what is your compassion? Why do you do what you do? What's your motive behind the whole thing? And he said that, that becomes, the, that becomes the, the true picture of what it's about. It's not about steeples and stained glass. It's not about buildings and bigger buildings. It's about touching people's lives. It's about serving people that are far away from God. It's about doing that. And Life Church, you do that. I, I know I'm preaching to the choir on this issue. You do that. I mean, we're, we're launching the, 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 the West Campus. 
And there, there are about 200 people right now that are signed up that are committed to be at the West Campus. And we're, and we're believing for 300 on the launch that April the 3rd, I think, is that Sunday morning as we go to the Majestic Theater on the 94 corridor. And, and you're doing that, and you've given money towards that, and you do that, and your mission's giving, and you're going, and, and all that you do. And, and that's how God looks at that, and that's how God judges that, and that's how God, whether it's around the corner or around the world, what we do in our community, what we do to people that are hurting, what, how we treat people with compassion, that's how we're judged. It's not on the greatness of our sermons. It's not on how many people show up to our Sunday morning or Saturday night gatherings. It's, 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 it's not on, on how great our music is or how, how spot on everything. It's about how we serve the world. Is that not interesting that God judges us on that and not on this? And that's when church becomes boring, when it's all about this. When it's all about this. It's boring. When it's all about this. You want it to be exciting? Hear what's happening here and then go out and change somebody's life. Go, go shovel somebody's driveway this afternoon. Go find some shut-in that can't get out and do something and go serve them a meal. Go find some family that you know, man, they've been hit with economic hard times and the kids, the kids, the, the tennis shoes are threadbare in there. And, and that, go, go do that. Go find somebody who, who maybe the uh, We Energies are going to shut their heat off and you pay the bill and don't tell anybody. Go find someone that, that's hurting. Go, go minister to someone's need. Go, go share the love of Jesus Christ without any, without any strings attached, without inviting them to anything, without asking them for anything, just serve, just love, just go. The Bible says this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by your love one for another. How you are compassionate on people that are far away from me. It's easy for us to love each other. Well, sometimes, right? <laughs> come on, right? Come on. And he said, and how you keep yourself polluted from the things of this world. Guys, that's just O-line, straight, pure, Holy Ghost conviction that we walk pure and holy before God. Not that we're perfect. Please don't misunderstand me. But that we strive in everything we do. As Paul told Timothy, in word and in deed and in conversation to walk pure before the Lord. Not just on Sunday morning. but on Monday morning and on Tuesday evening when I'm entertaining clients and on Thursday when I got all the kids over and on Friday night when I'm going out on the night on the town and the choices and decisions that I make and the things that I let my eyes see, the things I let into my heart that I make sure that I, I, to the best of my ability that there is no gross center immorality in my life and that whatever I'm dealing with, I deal with it. Whatever the Holy Spirit's dealing with me about, I deal with it. listening and doing.